Hello and welcome to the Anime Ichiban podcast on Goombastump. I'm Harry, I'm joined by Matt and Kyle as always. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a good episode, as always. Kyle, how are you doing today? Uh, well, doing better now, I think, after I just had yet another week of Kyle's patented tech issues. Elaborate on Kyle's patented <laughs> tech issues. So, for the past couple weeks, or for the past couple times we've recorded, uh, I got a new headset, um, which... Uh, got a new headset and a new laptop, both of which are perfect ingredients for fucking up exactly how we record. Because prior to this, um, I had used a different computer than for whatever like tech black magic fuckery had gone on. Audacity just didn't work. So I'm here now. I'm recording now, and ideally this audio will be clean. So other than that, I'm doing great. Oh, good. You're alive. You're well. Everything's mm-hmm. fine. And Matt, how are you doing? Let me tell you, Harry, it has just been a <laughs> pedal oh. to the metal for the past two weeks for me. It's been exhausting, but also great because last weekend was uh, PAX, PAX East. And oh, uh, yes. yeah, yeah, I went there representing Goomba Stomp as part of the press. And so I love PAX. It's so awesome getting to talk to developers and seeing the behind the scenes and all that. Highlight was definitely mm-hmm. the Katana Zero guys. Like their passion is just so clear and they're just cool guys, guys to be around. But man, is it exhausting, especially when you do all that, you're on your feet the whole day, and then you come home at night, it's like, okay, time to write, and then you go do it again. It's just a, and then you finish all that, and then you have your normal job to go back to on Monday. And so Ugh. it's like, no rest for the weary, but it's all worth it. Beyond that, um, I've just been using every last bit of my little free time I've had recently to just devour Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. <laughs> I was about to say, what have you both been playing? And I was yes. about to say, I really want to play Sekiro, but yes. I don't have £60 spare to buy it right now. But what's it like? It is, is, it it is phenomenal. It is hands down my favorite From Software game. Uh, that's like bar none. It's no competition for me. That said, I totally get why it's not clicking for other people. It's very different from a Soulsborne game. But for me, yeah. it, like the, the way the combat is, the hyper-aggressiveness of it, it really clicks with me and I love it. It's just such a fun game and so rewarding. I'm almost done with it. I think I'm on the last boss. If I'm not, I'm on the fake last boss before the real last boss shows up. <laughs> so I'm at the end of the game. Just got to beat it. How difficult would you say it is in comparison to games like Bloodborne or Dark Souls? Um, I know from software games. Right. So I am definitely in the minority in that, again, I keep using this word, but it clicked with me really quickly. There wasn't that much of a learning curve for me. And so to me... It feels way easier than any other Souls game or uh, From Software game. Uh, but again, I know I'm in the minority for that. People are just not really wrapping their heads around the whole deflection mechanic. They're used to dodging out of the way of attacks. Uh, people rarely used uh, re- reposts in Dark Dark Souls because they're so difficult. But all of Sekiro is built around deflections. So yeah, it's... I love it, but it's definitely not a game for everyone. I'm aware of the whole controversy about people wanting an easy mode in that game. That is not actually, a can of you, yeah. That <laughs> is not a can of worms I'm going to open up on this podcast because that is that is a rabbit hole. I have thoughts oh, on that, but I, I, I want to talk you. about that though. That, yeah. I really <laughs> well, I guess we're going to open yeah. up that can. But Let's no, open so this, I, this I, I also saw <laughs> yeah. I also saw that uh, article. Um, I, I think the thing that started off was when somebody like. A contributing writer to Forbes posted an article saying, like, oh, Sekiro needs an easy mode. Um, and that got a bunch of people riled up. Then two days later, 
Um, there was another writer with the post uh, title, no, Sekiro does not need an easy mode. Yeah, and... Um, so getting into the whole like okay this is like what the game is about and you're kind of cheapening the experience by not playing and like making the effort to get better really mm-hmm. yeah so. like i i think okay the whole mantra of like oh get good is fucking stupid because like that's dumb however i i think sekiro doesn't need an easy mode for the same reason for the same reason super mario odyssey doesn't need a super hard mode not every game is for everyone. And I think that's fair. I think like if, if, if there was somebody who loves the From Software games and they love really challenging stuff and they said, I played Mario Odyssey, I found it quite easy and I wish it was a really hard mode. It's like, well, there doesn't need to be a really hard mode because it's not necessarily for you. And I kind of feel the same. Right. Like, I, I kind of, so I also respect the content creators massively. I think mm-hmm. as like creative teams, creative people, whether it's music, books, uh, articles, the journalism websites like Goomba Stump or games, the creator should have absolute power to make whatever they want to make and whatever vision they want. And provided they're not lying to the consumer or deceiving the consumer, I think that's okay. If they advertise Sekiro as an easy game and then people bought it expecting it to be an easy game and then found it to be re- really hard... That's not fair because you've deceived the consumer. But if if you say, look, this is a really tough game, this is really challenging, only buy this game if that's for you, if that's what you want, then right. you're being honest with the consumer and they're buying that game knowing what they're getting themselves into. And I don't think it's, it's about like an elitist attitude. I just think it's a sort of thing of like some this is what the game is yeah Yeah. so specifically with like from software games too and with Sekiro because I've also been playing um not nearly as much uh as I'd like to but um yeah the game is definitely difficult uh but it does follow and like why why people are such big fans of from software um is the way they design their difficulty it isn't it isn't the kind of difficulty where it's like it is just spend more time and get good. It's like they give you the tools to be good and it's Mm. up to you to figure out how to use them. Um, So it's a very interesting approach to difficulty that I really appreciate in their games. And I think if you did make an easy mode, it would like remove a lot of the fun out of the game because part of the appeal to these from games is figuring out how to get good. Yeah. Like, also, it's completely damaging the artistic vision that the creators right. had. I can't help but feel like the people who make these arguments, Sekironi is an easy mode, they are not creative people. And that's what <laughs> I honestly think. They are not creative people, so they can't relate to creative individuals and creative teams. They can't relate to somebody's artistic vision. Oh, it's it's, like- I, I feel like they're the same, same people who like will comment on uh, a musician's new musical direction. Like, oh, this is so shit, go back to your old sound. And it's like, I mean, to can, be, you not, can you not relate to To it? be fair to them, like, game, so games like Celeste um, mm. were, like, they are, like, noted for their, you know, difficulty. But Celeste does have an easy mode to it. And it, it does exist separately from the normal mode. It's just... I didn't even I, know that had an easy mode. Okay, then. It, it does, yeah. There, there, there's, uh, I forget what it's called, but yeah, it's it basically makes it so that it, you, 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 it's a lot less punishing for you mm-hmm. to get through stages um, instead of, you know, spending the same, like, 
like spending half an hour on the same level just to like try and get the timing right on everything. So on the one hand, I I get that. On the other, it's like okay, th- this game doesn't have to have an easy mode. Like I said, I, I have thoughts on this topic, to. but like <laughs> we're not a game podcast, so that, that, don't want to get too <laughs> far into this before. Yeah, yeah, we can but, talk offline about it. But it's it's, it's interesting. Point so. being, Sek- I'm, sure Sekiro, I'm sure we've offended some people. Sekiro yeah. is hard. Sekiro mm-hmm. is fun. Yes, I want to play it. I've I've not personally had any games on the go. I've been playing a little bit of a World of Final Fantasy. Um, I really love Final Fantasy, and I never played the World of Final Fantasy game. And because it was redone for Switch as like Maxima relatively mm-hmm. recently, I've been playing it, and it was it was pretty fun. It's all right, but it's just one of those times when I'm realizing how bad the Final Fantasy stories are. <laughs> <laughs> but, like I really. It angers me how bad it is. Okay, it's, it's like, I'm I'm not super far into it, but there's, it's like a, a sister and a brother character and the brother's character stereotype throughout pretty much all the opening section is that he's really dumb, he's really clumsy, he's really stupid and just a moron. And that is pushed constantly in every conversation. And then there's a moment a few hours into the game where there's a cutscene and his sister's like, yeah, he never chooses a battle. He can't win. He's got incredible powers of judgment when it comes to battle. And it's like, that's a complete fucking contradiction with all of his characters, like his character building so far. Mm. Like, do you know what I mean? Like his personality so far has been completely contradictory to what you're saying now. And it's just moments like that where I think, this is fucking awful. How do you write a story this bad? See, I've definitely had like similar issues with just a lot of JRPGs in general. Yes, um, well, tend to for, overstay their welcome a bit. Y- y- yes, yes, um, but it's also really like the same problem I have with a lot of anime. Um, it's like there are certain mm. tropes that I'm just like, ah, I, I don't want this. Like, bravely default. Um, if any, if either of you guys have played it, um, mm-hmm. both of them. I I loved bravely default except for Tiz, and he's like the main character. <laughs> I, I hate I hate his character archetype. Just the just, kind of potato coon character. Yes, he, he's a <laughs> bowl of warm milk. That is his personality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, uh, all right, that's that's great. That that gets me really invested in this. Um, so yeah, it. I don't know. Can, I think it's just the, think, the way they sh- approach like those kinds of stories. Strong characters can like carry so many stories and I think there's too many anime and video game stories that just don't have strong characters. Yeah. Like there's there's yeah. a reason why God of War like the PS4 God of War was was considered like such an amazing story it's because it's so heavily focused on Kratos and Atreus. And it's a character driven story. It's about two great likable characters. That's why it's so fucking good. Like whatever happens in the story at that point is kind of irrelevant because the fact is it's anchored to amazing characters. Yeah. So, so you're going to enjoy it regardless because you just care about these characters. So whatever happens, you're somewhat invested because it's happening to two characters you like and care about. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's like the but, whole idea behind, you know, the slice of life genre, which is like it, it's most of those shows are about nothing, but you watch them because of the fun characters. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's. It's weird how like JRPGs approach that because yeah, like like Matt said, they're usually you know a pretty big investment, and they they do tend to stay uh, 
overstay their welcome. So it's like something like Persona is great because the entire time, like I just enjoy the cast, even if like the main story is not so great. I love Persona 5 because it's so character driven and because um, it's just constantly focused on a cast of characters that you naturally like and care about. So like you're saying, even if the story stumbles narratively, it doesn't really matter because you're you're following the tale of Ryuji and Arn and Futaba and whoever like Morgana like all the characters you like um so so yeah I, I think it's just weird how so, so many stories don't get this and it's like why why don't you understand how to make a good character like well, I don't know speaking of Persona weird. I better be able to romance that cat in Persona 5 Royal <laughs> fingers crossed I, oh, I don't know freaking announcement, of announcement. <laughs> oh, God. I was thinking I, about making that including I, that in my lightning news round freaking like, you know hate what? atlas yeah it's like you know what there's nothing else to say about that I'm not even gonna bother <laughs> I, I don't know what's coming but I'm, I'm excited nonetheless um, anyways, uh, Matt do you want to do your quick news roundup to yes. start us off so speaking of the lightning news roundup so this is a segment where I pull together uh, yes I will add in that sound effect Harry not Harry mm-hmm. Kyle Kyle <laughs> 50% um, chance of being wrong Yes, exactly. So this is the segment where I round up a few news articles from around the web that aren't quite worthy of a topic on their own, but they're still interesting enough to touch on really quickly. And so just to start off with where it is a Steins Gate's franchise 10th anniversary as of April 2nd. Oh my God, and, it's 10 years old. Right. Ooh, and ooh. The ten, 10 years for its original visual novel, mind you, not the anime that most people right. got into it. But okay. yeah, uh, the anime came... Think like the television four, anime, a f- definitely a few years. After. I think two years. Oh, a couple years. Version. Okay, yeah. So fairly. So close. yes, it's it's ten years since um the original visual novel, and now the staff behind it have opened a teaser site where they have ten open slots for project announcements. And you know what that screams to me? <laughs> a mobile game, <laughs> like uh, some merchandise, maybe. And okay, so when they say project. So when exactly. they say project, that can literally mean anything, right? Right. Oh, okay, that's annoying. Yeah. And wow. so I, I I imagine of those 10 pro- quote-unquote project announcements, only one of them will probably be something people actually care about, like yeah. i.e. a new series or something like that. Steinsgate after story, please. <laughs> Please. Did you watch Steins Gate Zero? No, I played, the, I played the visual novel. Oh, you played the visual novel. Okay, yeah. Because I never experienced Zero at all. So I, I oh, Zero. How... Yes, I also played Zero. Um, I liked it. I liked it as a fan of Steins Gate. It was mm-hmm. a little disappointing. Okay, that's that's the general consensus idea. Is that, yeah. is that just because it's following Steins Gate, which obviously people love and... It's just not going to Have you have you watched or, or seen Steinsgate, Harry? I've seen Steinsgate years ago. I, my memory's a bit patchy on it. I did see it years ago, though. Okay, so you wouldn't mind spoilers, then? No, no, it's fine. Yeah, okay, spoiler well, alert really quickly. Spo- quick spoilers for, for Steinsgate. But, so the way the original Steinsgate goes is that uh, near the end of this, near the end of the story, um, Okabe... Uh, uh, like his central conflict is trying to, you know, uh, save Mayuri, um, but by doing so, you know, he's got a like the, the way weird time shenanigans works out. He's got a, he ends up killing Kurisu. Back through timelines, yeah, that's it. So it goes back to the original timeline where Kurisu was killed. Yes, and where she's dead, it, and he's thinking, is there a way to save both of them? And that's then he gets a message from his uh, like 
alternate future self being like, yeah, you can do this here. I'm going to give you plot devices to figure things out. And he figures things out and everything's great. Steins Gate Zero is uh, a te- technically a sequel to the bad ending of Steins Gate. Where Which you, is so weird. Why the fuck would I you like call it, it I a like sequel? The, I, you know what? I like the premise. I really like the No, no, the no. Premise. Why would you call the name Zero for a sequel? I don't know. <laughs> that why just do you, screams why do, why so does Japan confusing. put like re colon in front of so many titles? You got uh, me. I don't okay. know. It's, Go on. It's weird. <laughs> But yeah, so Steins Gate Zero is a is a sequel to the bad ending of Steins Gate, um, which is really cool. So you see like how Okabe has to like deal with Kurisu's death um, and all of that, and it it, deal, it digs into AI shenanigans um, and stuff like that. But it it was really disappointing just because it it doesn't focus on what's important about the story and the world. Um, it, it, it follows some like weird action movie plot lines, which is kind of upsetting. Right. For, contrary to is, the intrigue is, that Steinsgate is known for. Yes. Is Kurisu in Steinsgate Zero at all? Her AI copy is. <laughs> right. Okay. I'm yeah. starting to get an impression of what, I mean, like I've not seen it, so I can't really comment, but it seems weird that Stein's got a huge focus of that show is the relationship between um, Kurisu and Okabe, and that's like a huge focus. Yes. So it does seem weird to then remove one of those characters from it. Yeah, okay, okay. So, so uh, Master Chief like, and Cortana, it sounds like. See, that, that, that's what <laughs> I thought it would kind of dig into. I thought it would, you know, focus on the relationship between like Okabe and this AI version of Kurisu and like how they get to know each other and how like the AI might help him get over the death of the person he loves. That doesn't, she becomes a side side character, which baffled and upset me to no end. Like she, at, at a certain point in the story, and like no matter what route you take, they kind of just drop her off importance for the plot. Wow. Which is like really aggravating. It, they so, still have like fun characters. It's just, God, the story was not nearly as good. So knowing that mm. then, because the thing with Steins Gate and the whole thing with uh, what's mages that's right 5pb mages the mm-hmm. developers behind these games mm-hmm. when they say steinsgate projects uh that means it really is going to relate to these characters because if it's a different story in the same universe they name it something else like chaos head or right, chaos right. Child. Oh, so it is specifically steinsgate it's specifically steinsgate projects okay so assuming one of these projects is actually something significant like a new series then um do you think there's potential for something after zero or I would like them to Steins not, I, I don't want them to deal with zero anymore mm. <laughs> because the zero is at least very nicely self-contained because it loops back in on the main series. The way you would have to work with zero and make it enjoyable is just to rewrite it <laughs> really <laughs> to make AI Karisu a better character. Well, she's mm. already, it, have the writing better reflect Kurisu's character, rather. I hope. I hope they make a sequel to Zero called Steins Gate One. Just to fuck <laughs> up all the naming and just to take a take a name page from Microsoft's it. playbook. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, Xbox One. <laughs> um, um, but also, I, I like how this the Lightning News Roundup, and we've just taken ages on one point. So. I'm sorry. I really let's, like Steins Gate. No, I really no, like Steins Gate. You know, it's <laughs> good. I was just as bad. I was interested as well. Don't worry. Let's go to point two. Then. Right. Exactly. So now next. 
bit. So last time we talked about how uh, Attack on Titan was getting a fashion show. Oh, and <laughs> this is um, probably equally as, well, maybe a little less surprising, but still a little. Uh, Naruto has a kabuki theater play. Oh. Uh, yeah. Mm. And so <laughs> that, right. was a, that was a roller coaster of emotions from Kyle just now. That really was, mm. though. Mm. Um, so is, is, it, is this just like a theater show, basically? Do you are you familiar with the kabuki theater area? I'm, I'm not actually. Right. So kabuki is a traditional Japanese theater style. It's uh, the kind of theater where you see the actors with heavily painted faces. If you're, if you know, what I mean, like the oh, all white faces, so, yeah. the heavy ma- makeup. Oh yeah. Thick, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's kabuki. They have very exaggerated movements. Uh, these kind of like musical pieces are like oh yeah you know, blah, 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 that um, <laughs> so, um sounds he's not exaggerating today yes um, the, yeah it is it is a um is a very time-honored <laughs> tradition it's japanese japan. opera yeah and a little trivia was that uh kabuki was proclaimed by unesco as an intangible heritage possessing outstanding universal value anyways naruto is getting a kabuki play it apparently already mm. had a kabuki play um at some point mm. in the past but yes it's it's not that much of a mismatch i feel it's not like the attack on titan fashion show where it had nothing to do with the actual series um yeah i mean like there's still a story to tell it's just mm, like what what I, morbidly curious i think is the, the way to describe how i feel right. about that i mean I, I just i just feel like if if you want to experience the story of naruto is this the best format to do? <laughs> yeah, so that, that's what it's, I'm wondering. It's kind of like, if you want to experience the story of Ghost in the Shell, would you go to see the live-action Hollywood version or actually experience the Well, okay, version? okay, so that's what I'm is- curious about is like how, <laughs> how the people that are making the stage production, like how they're approaching this. Like, is it a joke? Is this just like one big shit post for them? Or are they like actually approaching it as like, oh, let's take this, you know, popular IP and try to make like a, le- a legitimate kabuki play out of it but yeah. which begs the question why would you do that I, yeah <laughs> I, I get very wound up with people just like taking like i've not even seen naruto or read it so I'm, I'm not like passionate about it but i i always find it really weird just just people taking pre-existing ips and just adapting them in different formats because i just think make something new like there's something so boring to me about just taking a pre-existing ip and just See, readapting it into something like, i mean at I, least I this is somewhat appeal. different this is somewhat quirky but yeah even so it just seems a bit weird to me like write your own story so for for thing. i guess for something on a similar frame of reference i guess um i remember I, a few years back uh, i was like walking in a bookstore and i saw like the, the shakespearean version of star wars a new hope and on the, on the cover, it looks exactly like just one massive joke, but you read through it and it's like, holy shit, somebody actually wrote this in like Shakespearean English and like paid attention to the way like the dialogue is structured and all of that um, and like took it seriously. So mm. I, 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 I don't know about Kabuki Naruto. It, it still sounds like one giant farce. Mm-hmm. But if they're approaching it as like a legitimate thing to like put up seriously, it, okay, all right. 
Yeah, I, at the very I least, like the, op, the opera equivalent songs, the Kabuki songs would be a new thing for the series. So how they translate that. <laughs> you over. know, maybe there are just like a lot of Kabuki artists that are super into Naruto. Mm-hmm. So that's it. There, there is that. Yeah. So as a little side note, One Piece also had a Kabuki play in 2015 oh and 2016. You know what? I got to look at these images. I got to look at these images. I don't know. I don't know. It existed though. I know that, um, I, I don't know if it was a Kabuki play, but I know that Hunter Hunter also had some sort of theater show. And I, it's just weird to me that like, I just, I don't think you can retell like a long manga or anime series in the medium of like a, a, a film, like a live action film or a theater show. Cause I think all these mediums, they're condensed to like maybe what, two hours or something like say, yeah. let's say two hours mm-hmm. tops. Like, how are you going to well, tell it's like, I remember a few years like a back, really long series? A few years back, there was that uh, Spider-Man musical that came out on Broadway where somebody, like, broke a leg. Um, from a, Literally. Like, a, yes, it, yes, literally broke a leg because <laughs> of, like a, a, like, a car prop or something. But, yeah, it's like, okay, I'm going to go to the theater to, like, watch Spider-Man, like, swing around on stage. So, I guess people are going to these kabuki theaters to watch ninjas fight <laughs> I, I guess yeah so i'm looking at it and it's interesting that the, the, the costumes are definitely like more suited for kabuki it's just why right it's just it's it's uh a fascination all right when it comes down to it each of their own, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. If it works, it works. It's oh god, the one piece kabuki really is Oh my god, <laughs> Frankie. It, Frankie's does, actually fucking fantastic. <laughs> oh, does Frankie shit. look good in it? <laughs> oh my god. He he looks like a fucking sumo wrestler. So yes, listener, go Google Frankie Kabuki right now. That's great. In the meantime, anyways. We got our next news piece. And so <laughs> Carl just sent the image. Um, just sent it the chat. <laughs> so we're all familiar with Crunchyroll, correct? Uh-oh. Yes, we are. Yes, listeners, you are probably familiar with Crunchyroll. Chances are many of you have a Crunchyroll account. And if you have a Crunchyroll account, you're probably aware of what's happening with it soon. And that is that Crunchyroll has announced their first ever subscription price increase for their plan. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, okay. I lied <laughs> there. Not, if you... Because you do, you guys do have Crunchyroll accounts, right? Crunchyroll. I, I do, yeah. Yes. Okay. So there's a really neat probably, thing as well, because like, um, I live because I live in the UK. I don't get much Crunchyroll stuff, so I have to mm-hmm. use a Crunchyroll and Blocker app, which has now been removed from the Chrome Web Store. Um, so if I disable it, I won't be able to get like a lot of the stuff I see on Crunchyroll. Right. So I really like how Crunchyroll doesn't give me legal yeah, access so, to a lot of shows, and they want to increase the price. So, yeah, this is this is this is feeding into the topic. Yes, indeed. Thank you. Hold on to those feelings, Harry. So, uh, just to give some details, the price is increasing from six ninety five to seven ninety nine nine per month, or uh, sixty dollars to eighty dollars per year. Blech. So it's a twenty dollar price increase per year. Uh, meanwhile, Great Britain prices go from forty euro to sixty five euro a year. Australian prices go from sixty dollars to eighty eighty Australian dollars per year. And so that's not an insignificant increase. Correct? That's a lot. That's that's a big. Meanwhile. Thing. When was the last time Crunchyroll improved in any shape or form? 
I think they did actually change their uh, like video player. Yeah, now it's HTML right. based. So, like, they, the added, they, they added so a progress nice. bar to their video player. Yes, so indeed. that's they, nice. Uh, they allow like uh, yeah, you can change quality now like with more stuff. I think, but I just if so anything, Crunchyroll has become like less desirable because of the loss of their Funimation titles. Exactly. So there's the thing. Mm. So. In light of the Funimation split, they're losing all their titles to Funimation. Funimation is owned by Sony, who is very... We talked about this before. Sony is very aggressive in their business practices. Crunchyroll is owned by AT&T, which is just kind of twiddling their thumbs a little bit in this case, letting uh, Funimation take everything. Meanwhile, Amazon and Netflix are definitely up and coming in the anime uh, sphere as well. I don't know if you guys noticed, but for Amazon's player... I know Amazon and Netflix has had this forever, but they finally added the skip intro button. For anime episodes, which they didn't have before, they have the ability to skip through chapters in their episodes. They have the ability oh, nice. to look up all the voice actors while in the video. Again, that was all yeah, planned that's, for Western series. That's but definitely it was never my, my favorite part version. of the Amazon player. Yeah. So, like, why is it that Crunchyroll, the pioneer of anime streaming, the dedicated anime streaming service, still doesn't have some of these basic features that people have been asking for for ages, especially the skip intro button? And now, mm. now they d- want to increase the price on top of that, claiming that it will increase the quality of their service. You need to show that increase in quality. You need to prove that you're going to do it first. You can't just... And furthermore, you have people like Harry, where the service really doesn't boast the largest selection that possible. Honestly, can. look, like, we were just talking about One Piece a minute ago, mm-hmm. and I talk about every episode. I fucking love it, and I'm, I'm always, like, watching through it. Um, there is literally nowhere online, literally nowhere I can watch it legally. Mm-hmm. That it is not on any service whatsoever, any legal streaming service. The only way I can watch it is by using a Crunchyroll and blocker to get it on Crunchyroll via like the American streaming and stuff. And even then, Crunchyroll isn't actually licensed to show like about five of the opening movies, something like that. Like about five of them are blocked because oh, yeah. they don't actually have a, like licensing outside of Japan or streaming licenses. So, like, if you're someone who's a bit of a purist and you want to watch it and you're like, oh, okay, now on to opening 12 and I want to watch this, you'd have to get it up on YouTube and watch opening 12 on YouTube before flipping back to Crunchyroll. I know it sounds stupid, but if you're a bit of a purist and you want to hear all the opening music like me, then it's a pain. Yeah, and, and so... It's just, uh, and I just feel frustrated because I pay for a fucking membership. I pay every month for a Crunchyroll membership, legally. Yeah, it's and, weird. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I would... As far as like why they haven't like stepped up their game is it's it's honestly like probably the same issue is like that that Sony has had for like the past few years because um, they they kind of let a lot of their online functionality like slack um, mm-hmm. with the whole like the, the biggest debacle um, with Sony is how they're for whatever reason very adamant against cross platform play right yeah um, mm-hmm. and I think. Their, from their perspective, like it's more manpower to like get that up and running, which they can like they don't have to worry about because like right now they're coasting. Like so, right now Crunchyroll has like a lot of subscribers and they have a lot of money that they're getting from these subscribers. So there probably was a decision to be like, all right, we got a lot of people, let's get a little more money from them. Fuck improving the platform; they're already here. We're not going to lose them, and I would not be surprised if their numbers dropped a lot right because there is a lot of competition nowadays like crunchyroll is still one of the one of the two most prominent streaming platforms for anime for sure but like 
there's yeah. there's new up and comers for coming up on their behind. Mm, that was yeah. a stumble of words. Well, it's like okay, <laughs> so I mean, I've been I've been seeing like a lot of like posts about this, um, and like the not even just with anime, but just like in with streaming in general. Like you have stuff like CBS All Access, HBO Go. Uh, Amazon Prime, Netflix, uh, the Disney, like Dis- Disney is having their own streaming service and like at least five or seven other fucking like streaming platforms. And it's like, uh, like the whole point of like cutting the cable was so that you didn't have to pay for like 500 different things. Um, right. So if anything, like, like people are willing to pay if you make it easier for them to get their content. So like for me, I was more than happy to pay for Crunchyroll because it, you know, the, the, the platform itself might've been whatever, but it was offering like a bunch of different shows that mm-hmm. I wanted, but with the Funimation cut, uh, the Funimation split, like th- something like platform issues are going to be more prominent for me right. um, because there are like, there are less pros. So the cons are going to stick out. So what that means for me is like because I'm already paying for Amazon Prime and Netflix, it's like between that, Crunchyroll is becoming more and more irrelevant. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And this price increase just like exacerbates the issue. So they they have to, they have some uh, proving to do for sure in the coming months to justify that price but increase. But hey, we'll right. have High Guardian Spice. That's oh boy, that'll be fun. <laughs> Nothing against the creators, but like there's just nothing too appealing about that that's a discussion for another time though <laughs> moving on around, but yeah so this is tangentially related to anime but it's still like it's a big deal it's a big event uh japan is entering a new era literally uh i don't know if you two are familiar with the whole era system of japan in addition to the traditional gregorian calendar that the rest of the world uses are either of you familiar with that i'm not uh I, you mean in terms of like, like sociocultural periods? Because I know no, no, what, no. So what do you mean? Eras? Literally, um, the way the Japanese calendar works is that typically when a new emperor comes into reign, it'll start a new era. For example, there was the Showa era, right? Um, that was right. the most famous, and then the Meiji era, and up until now we were in the Heiwa era. And basically, the calendar resets at the beginning of each of those eras. So when I got my uh, transit card way back when I was studying Japan. It had an expiration date on it that was, I don't even remember exactly what it was, but it had something completely different from when I was like, not even in Japan. Like it was saying the equivalent of August 26th when I was leaving in like December. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. And it was because it was using the era name. It was the eighth month of that or eighth year of the Heiwa era, 26th month and so on and so forth. It's interesting. Yeah. (laughs) So they do, they use that in addition to the normal calendar. And so now they're entering a new era. It is entering the Reiwa era, W-R-E-I-W-A. And this, is, this name is significant because it is the first era name to have been inspired by a Japanese rather than a Chinese work of classical literature. And, mm-hmm. uh, the character, and there's some controversy going on with this name because in the context of the literary piece it's based off of, the, char- the first character, Rei, can mean fortunate, auspicious, peace, or harmony in the context of the literary piece. However, anyone with like a basic knowledge of kanji, including myself, recognizes that um, that first character as command or order, as in like, I order you to do something. Uh-oh. And so 
it's creating this whole sort of uh, nationalistic. Debate, like, right. It's like, okay, oh, you can point to a literary piece, but 80% of the populace recognizes the meaning as something a little more authoritative. And so it's a little bit of a clash here. Uh-oh. And people, people aren't quite satisfied with it. But the new era is starting on May 1st. Uh, I don't think that's going to change. Doesn't I'm not sure if you guys have much to say about this now that I think about it, but it is a big event that I thought would be Ooh. worth pointing out for the country that well, our podcast right. Is based so on. what, what I'm curious place. about that is like what exactly like like what ramifications, if any, will that have on day to day life? Exactly, no, none, absolutely it, none. Okay. Other than other than people having to like reset the calendars. <laughs> um, well, it, maybe that's why Crunchyroll's uh, prices have gone up because <laughs> it's this new it's this new era. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess like the only thing that like might come out of that is like larger, like bigger picture things. Uh, just because, yeah, that does seem to have a uh, little bit of a d- different, uh, a charged tone to it. I guess, right? Bit of a, so, yeah, because um, the original era, of the Heiwa, it was very clearly like peace and peace, tranquility. Yeah. There was no uh, confusion there, but yeah, there's a conflicting oh. meanings going on here. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know what the political scene in Japan is like right now, so I I don't know if that's going to like tip things one way or the other. But I, I'm right. sure that there are nationalistic groups that are very happy with that. Yeah, we'll save that for a politics podcast. Oh god! <laughs> Subscribe to our hidden Patreon for one thousand dollars a month. You'll get exclusive access to that podcast. I'm, I'm sure no one will be offended by that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right, and so now we'll wrap up with back on topic. Uh, we're going to write the Blu-rays again. And so I have the list of the top-selling Blu-rays mm. for Japan for the period of March 18th through the 25th. That's the most recent time I could find. And it just, once again, highlights how different, weird and different Japan's yeah. tastes are compared to ours. All right, what do we got? And, all right, so want to take a swing at number one, Harry and Kyle. I'm so sure. for stuff that's already aired from the spring season, it wasn't, right? It, it was, this is not a show that aired in the spring season, actually. No. This is a, okay. It's not an old show, but it didn't air this past season that just finished. Right, so, so it aired... Slime? Like, it, it aired, no, not Slime. Good. So it aired last year. It, it, it aired within this past year, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's probably um, a 24-episode series. Is, is it a good series? Is it good? Uh, that's up for a debate okay this this show appeared on the list the first time we did this kyle by the way way back when when it's just you and me is it trash uh it's not it's not objectively trash no hmm. it could be subjectively trash hmm. is it still it's not still zombie land no 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 it's not okay uh i don't know what you got quadruple s Gridman. Is oh, at the top. Really? Numero uno. Specifically, really? the fourth the fourth set of Blu-rays is at the top that recently released. So that partly explains it because it's a new set, but still. All right. Gridman is definitely fact, one of those series that like I, I have not heard about since it started airing. Right, exactly. It just completely I, fizzled I, out. I, I, right now. I always enjoy following what Trigger does. I've still not seen it though. Right. Honestly, I've still not watched it. And it is on my watch list, but Based on everything I've heard as well, I've, I've just got like no real drive. If everyone was like, oh yeah, it's fucking awesome. You need to watch it. It's, then that's different. It's but whatever. The, the I've only... d- I've, yeah, I've just had really mediocre things. Yeah. 
the like the only again like the only thing that I still am aware of from Gridman are the waifus. That that is it. Um, I just know the one waifu. Yes, yes. So there, yeah. there's there's that. But again, I think like the last time this got brought up, like it. I don't know how big Tokusatsu is in Japan, but I would assume it's like a cultural staple uh, mm-hmm. for people that are into you know this kind of media. So it would not surprise me if there are people that are just there for the toku. Mm. Right. So it's yeah, it's interesting. It's that highlights especially just how different our taste can be between cultures for sure. Mm-hmm. So going on to the second one, I'm going to give each of you one guess because you're never going to guess this one, and then I'm going to tell you. So just shout something out. Did it air in spring? No. Dexter's Laboratory. No. Dexter's That's your Lab. one guess, Harry. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, so it didn't air in spring. Was it a 24 no. episode? No. Oh my god. It was more the... than 24 episodes. More than 20. Good lord. Mm. Um. God, what just wrapped up? You have 10 seconds. Uh, Eight. Oh god. Seven, six. Uh, five. Boruto. I four. Don't know. No. Oh my god. Yu-Gi-Oh! Oh, oh god. Duelist and Monsters Memorial Disc. What the fuck? <laughs> I have what no idea what that is. Does, Coming so in at number which, two with 5,693 copies sold. Which, wait, which Yu-Gi-Oh! series is it? Because there's loads I, of Yu-Gi-Oh! I don't series. know. It says Duelist and Monsters Memorial Disc. Catchy uh, name. D- what? Yeah. <laughs> what? And so now, number three is where we finally see our first show from... The recent season that just ended. Okay. Uh, God, what's been there? I've watched like a few shows from this season. It is season. one that you watched. <sighs> or Promise tried Neverland? to watch at least. Nope, it's not Promise Neverland. Mm. That is not even on this list. Oh, wait, uh, never mind. It's down at 13. We're not going to go that oh, far. Though. Oh, that's kind of disappointing. It, that was like it, the only it, show from this season. Is it, a good, is it a good show? Give us it's, more clues. It's... Matt's a tried to watch. It's a not the best anime adaptation show. Uh, Adaptation? Kyle, you've seen it, so you should know. What have you seen? Uh, Was it Gotobun? It is Gotobun. Are you fucking kidding me? The quintessential Quintobun. It's number three. I'm actually kind of salty about that. Like, right below Yu-Gi-Oh! It lost only by 90 copies. 5,500. I am actually salty that the Gotobun adaptation is that high mm-hmm. because I, I love the manga. The anime is kind of bad. Why was the adaptation not good? Poor animation quality. Uh, the, the voice acting is kind of, eh, which is, which I was surprised with. Um, Everyone and, got breast expansion surgery and liposuction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and like, so the, the Gotobun manga is really great because of the quality of the artist himself. Um, like he is one of the few artists I see, uh, like, like current, current, like circulating manga right now. who like knows how to visually storytell, um, which is great. And it loses a lot of that visual flair in the adaptation. Um, it, the, the anime is very flat. Um, when like where, where the manga is like very like it's very pointed. There's a lot of like fun moments, like fun visual moments. Ju- like point being, the, the the adaptation is not nearly as good and does not do the original the, the source material justice. What's really funny is that they outsource the animation for one of the episodes to Shaft, and it's like a noticeable increase in Are quality. It's kidding? really hilarious. Oh, yeah, Mike. Okay, that's. 
Yeah. Well, that's Whatever. that. And I'm, I'm kind I'm of just upset getting, about yeah. that. That made me a little but sad. This, 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 this next one will make you happy, though, Kyle, because number four is High Score Girl Extra Stage. Oh, good. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And so that snuck its way into number four with 3,300 right. copies sold. And right. I'm not going to go any further down the list than that. We're getting into some older oh, things. That, again, rip Wadaten. Yeah. yeah. No Wadaten, unfortunately. Is it? I, I'm fine no. with that. But, oh, God. I, yeah. I got kind of angry with Wadaten by the end of it. But don't you worry. Frozen is still hanging on Are in you there. fucking kidding? Oh, my num- God. Number 17. Japan. Japan. That will never go away. It's the GTA 5 of Japan. anime. I, Stop. Speaking of Blu-rays, I bought a Blu-ray yesterday, an anime Blu-ray. Have Was it Frozen? Have you seen... No. <laughs> Have either of you seen a red line? Oh yes, that is a fucking tastic. And it's a cheap Blu-ray I, too, isn't it? It's, it's like five dollars, I think, when I saw what? it before. Oh, wow. It was it was it was fifteen quid for me, so it was more expensive. Mm. But um I've not seen it. But Madhouse Animator, and it's we were talking about amazing. Madhouse recently. Yeah, like I'm I'm about twenty minutes in so far. I'm I'm enjoying it. It's cool so far, but obviously it's not really gotten going yet. But uh, I'm excited to keep watching it. So yep. that's, what, that's what I'm doing later. Yeah. Yeah. So I also Blue watched like the first uh, bit of it before uh, people in the room realized they'd all seen it. <laughs> so we stopped oh, watching it. Um, but yeah, oh. so I, I watched like the first 15, 20 minutes. Um, and honestly, like I would probably point to that as like one of the top reasons why Madhouse went under. <laughs> it's, it's such good animation and it's so high quality, but the amount of manpower that must have gone in there is probably insane. Oh yeah. yeah. And that's leads into our first main topic. Oh my God. Look at that. 45 minutes in <laughs> and we've just been doing the first section. It's been good. It's been a varied conversation. We've gone through lots of stuff, but uh, yeah, let's, let's get on now with a brisk pace. So basically speaking of animation quality, I wanted to talk about uh, the trouble with anime production schedules. So something I've seen a lot online recently is people criticizing animation companies, but ignoring the fact that often their shortcomings are a result of, from what I know anyway, is a result of a lack of budget and a lack of time. Mm-hmm. And I think this is most, most commonly seen with like Toei Animation, who do One Piece and Dragon Ball Super. And people are like, oh, they're awful. We've got terrible animation quality. And they're completely ignoring that a lot of the stuff they work on is seasonal. Uh, not seasonal, even like weekly, sorry. So they have yeah. to create an episode every single week. Hence why the quality is subpar at times. I think- but then if you look at if you look at like the Dragon Ball Super movie that mm-hmm. came out last year, it's fucking incredible animation. Yeah. If you look at any of the kind of big movies they do, it's really, really good. It's top notch. Yeah, animation. so I think that's the thing that tripped me up. Um, like when I first found that out about the anime industry is that episodes come out weekly. <laughs> Like <laughs> that was like, um, first of all, why? Second of all, it mm. explains a lot of things about a lot of different series I've watched and explains like why shonen adaptations are mostly not great. <laughs> like three minutes of recap, a minute and a half of opening. Oh God. A minute and a half all of ending. That. Great. We and just like, need 16 minutes of show now. And like having like reused frames or like just having static characters and not even mm. like, Oh God. Yeah. So that, that explains part of it, but, um, this is why, uh, from what I know, like my hero academia is obviously seasonal. So like mm-hmm. there's a shonen show that looks fucking great. It's really well animated because it's seasonal. And because obviously it's also animated by bones, mm-hmm. but I feel like you could give my hero academia to say Toei animation. And if they had the same amount of time to do it, it would look 
like pretty much just yeah good. yeah so i i think like the reason this got brought up was uh because of the you, you were talking about like the um drop in quality or the noticeable difference in quality with the upcoming one punch man season yeah so you've actually uh, seen with the JC stuff. actually had a proper look at it yeah and it doesn't look terrible but in comparison to season one and madhouse it yeah is not as good that trailer yeah, had a lot it. of still frames. A lot of still frames. Yeah. I'm really I'm really hoping that like I mean I'm kind of reserving full judgment until I see the first episode. I'm really hoping by the end of the first episode you'll just get used to it and it will be somewhat likable in its own way. And it will be different to Madhouse, but kind of still visually enjoyable. But I, I, I don't I don't necessarily think like that'll do that'll be enough really to help it because like the whole so you'll still have the source material, right? And like, if, if they're smart about it, like they'll adapt the right things in the right way. So like when you're really looking down to it, like the difference is going to be in the animation quality. And unless JC staff, like suddenly decides to like activate their hidden shonen power, like it's probably not going to be looking as good as the original. And like, right. that's just objectively. In this case, it's not a it's, it's not a case of not having the budget or the time right, to right. create it. It's just that JC staff just plain doesn't have that expertise. They, at yeah. least they haven't demonstrated they have that expertise. Again, maybe they are hiding this hidden shonen power, but <laughs> it's, we don't know that. And so that's that's a little bit of a different situation than what we see with shows like what you're saying, Toei's day to day shonens. Uh, there was that horrible monstrosity. That just became a meme a couple seasons ago. Is like my sister, my writer. That you can just oh find God, the one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah. Oh Screenshots my God. Screenshots all over. That was just hilarity incarnate. But that was case in point of people just running out, flat out running out of time, not it's, clear sense of direction. Yeah. I, I think it must be so frustrating if you're an animation company and you have worked hard on something in a very small frame of time just to see someone online just kind of hating on you, being like, oh, this looks fucking well, garbage. I mean, it's like you... completely ignoring that animation is so difficult and so th- th- time So that's fair. That's fair. But you have mm-hmm. to remember that this is a creative industry. And if you look at it in terms of something like the video game industry, so um, what was it? I, Halo for, you know, most of its life was done by Bungie and done by like the same team who knew Halo in and out, the mechanics, the story, all of that. Then comes Halo 4, uh, which is when Microsoft bought out Bungie and effectively like killed the team and changed it into 343 Industries. Um, So what that meant was like a lot of like the internals got shifted around. So you had people who were just like objectively not as talented as the previous teams that had made the previous games. So Yes, there is a certain point where, like, okay, I can understand, like, this is a creative effort, but if, I mean, like Matt said, you, you, like, if you're just not as experienced or as talented as, like, other people that have demonstrated their expertise, you, like, you're going to come out with, like, a worse product. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's it. And that's a difficult thing we don't personally know as consumers how much is down to studio talent or lack thereof or a lack of budget and a lack of time. We don't specifically know. We can only speculate. Yeah. So it could be like a surprise situation because, um, what is there's, um, the studio that did Konosuba, uh, Dean, they, they're like not, they kind of have like middling to pretty okay shows. Um, but then there was one that came out a couple of years ago, uh, 
Rock, Rock, Rockago? Yeah, Rockago. Um, they did Rockago? Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Showa and Roku Rockago is one of like the best series I've ever watched. Um, both in terms of storytelling and animation quality. And when I found out it was done by Dean, the people that made derpy floppy boob Konosuba, I was <laughs> actually kind of mind blown because the sheer quality on like all fronts was like actually phenomenal. So I'm hoping that's the situation here with JC staff where they actually like pull out all the stops and get like the best people right. for and this project. And it's not just the sense of animation, but like you have to have a clear vision, a, like a strong leadership mm-hmm. direction as well. You have to have a good director that knows where to cut things, where to um, direct the team. That's redundant. Yeah. But it <laughs> yeah. first shows where the animation very clearly takes a hit, like my sister, my writer, or when you see a show that heavily resorts to still frames, that's mm-hmm. not because like the animators are bad. That's a clear case of we ran out of time. We just need to finish this episode and get it out the door or else we're running an unexpected recap episode. Yeah. And so when are... that happens, that's 90, 99% of the time, that's because something went wrong with the higher ups, like something went wrong in the upper chain of command that trickled down. It was delaying the whole process of mm-hmm. the anime production. So like how much of an issue is like middle management in anime production? So if you look at the credits of an anime and... Also, the average wages of an animation studio, the producer of the show, the one that's kind of like they they are the quote unquote organizer, the go betweens for all the different uh, parts of the studio, the animators, the directors, the voice recording and all that. They along with the director, they're kind of the ones that stitch it all together and they play a paramount role in making sure that all Hmm. runs smoothly. And it's extremely stressful job. Uh. I, again, I can't. I can't ah, go. On. I, I need to gather my thoughts a little bit more because I, I don't want to say falsities right, here. Right, right. Yeah, I. I mean, I, just, I, I guess suffice to say, like they're yeah. like just like any other creative project. Like you, you have like the talent, the people that are like making this stuff, but then it also does require like somebody higher up to be able to like look at things in the larger scope of you know how things are progressing and like know how to use the talent effectively. Yeah. So push like, along the timeline. Yeah. So like you could, you could have like a, a great and talented, like, so like JC staff has, they're, they're clearly at the very least competent. Right. <laughs> they're, they're not a terrible studio. They're just not particularly like standout. Um, so who knows? Like the, the producer and or director for this coming on might actually like know how to get the most out of that. Mm. Um, like, I really, I mean, I really hope they see it as like, at the end of the day, loads of people are going to watch this. If they want a vehicle to showcase their animation prowess and to try and raise their profile as an animation studio, this is the best one. You've got a a season right here that so many people are going to watch season two of One Punch Man. So many people are going to tune in and want to watch that. It's going to be fucking huge. So that's what what I'm thinking. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping. Um, I'm hoping this is like, a Matthew McConaughey situation where it's like, all right, they spent like 10 years doing slice of life harem rom-coms. Um, they've got enough like of a foothold in the industry. Now they're like actually going to like take things seriously. Um, Cause uh, I was actually pleasantly surprised with the quality of the uh, Kono Suba trailer for the movie um, because it actually looks better. 
Right. And that's than the original. Yeah. Because movies, unlike anime series, they have comparatively all the time in the world. Yeah. Because anime anime series, like we said, they're produced on a week to week basis. It's contra they don't make them all in a batch and then release them all. At the same time, right, right? Why they don't do that, I don't quite know because that makes sense. I'm sure there is some reason why that can't be. But movies, uh, you see this happening so frequently now. Way, 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 way back when, when mm. uh, UFO Table first announced that they were going to do an adaptation for the Heavens Feel route for Fate's Day Night, way back in like 2014, and then they just went radio silent for a while. They didn't get released. They were just going to work on it. And we're going to do it. And then they announced like, okay, instead of one movie, we're going to do three movies because oh. it's too big of a project. We're going to split it up into three parts and we're just going to take our time doing it. There's not really a rush for it. Typically mm-hmm. they have teams working on the movie and teams working on other shows and they switch between it um, as they need to like a video game studio as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, similarly, uh, you can say the same for Blu-rays as well. Uh, you'll see for many different shows, studios going back, touching up scenes making them look better for the Blu-rays because they have the time to go back and actually put some effort into it where oh, they yeah, wish I'd they could have done that, that in yeah. the original series. Like you'll see some TV airing and Blu-ray comparisons. It's just like night and day, the quality. Right, right. In some extreme cases, you'll have, like I said, still frames in the original TV airing and they'll go back in the Blu-rays and actually fully animate out those still <laughs> frames. Um, and so it's, it's all a matter... Yeah, that that that's um, that's just ex- an explanation for the difference in quality between movies, Blu-rays, and TV. Yeah, that's series. fair, but that that definitely and, is like kind of baffling, like why they wouldn't want to like. I guess like okay, so d- does does DC staff have anything airing in spring right now? Uh, the season that just started airing right now, or just like I, even the one that just ended. Uh, they were doing Data Live three. Okay, um, and I think one other thing. Yeah, so it's like, do, so do they have, first of all, do they have like the, the same team working on that that they would on One Punch Man? And like, if they didn't, like, why wouldn't they want to like, I guess that's just a question for the industry in general. It's like, why would you not want to like do your stuff ahead of time? Right, exactly. It's just because that's how the Western TV industry does it, especially with Netflix. Right. The advent of binge yeah, watching. Yeah, yeah. So I... It seems, I, it seems it's something really I'd have to really sit like, down and think about. Yeah, it must just be so frustrating to want to animate something to the best of your quality and to show the world how good of an animator you are, but to just not have the time to do it. To have this really, really tough deadline and just having to rush through your work on top and, of that, and not feeling show. proud of what you put out in the end because you know you <laughs> can do better if you had a bit more time. Right, on that must be really that, frustrating. On top of that, the standard animators—it's no big secret that they are underpaid oh, in Japan. Yeah. like the, yeah. the bottom rung animators are 100% underpaid they typically have to have some other side job to actually have a livable income to work with uh possibly doing contract work for another studio or just like working a convenience store um but it's very rare that you'll have a studio that pays their base animators a livable wage i know kyoto animation is one of them i don't know about others uh so but, yeah, with that too also i'm also problem. wondering like so how especially if you're adapting material um like how much of the process like is involved in writing slash like directing right so it's like you you know how like all the story beats are going to play it out how all the scenes are going to play out um and all of that uh i so i asked that um just because uh 
slight spoilers for shield hero here i have loved shield hero up until the last two episodes and like it, it baffles my mind that like they would get up to that point and then not realize how dumb the curse shield is and like they they chose to keep that in um yeah. for that one like that's there's no way to remove that is all i can say there's hmm. no way to circumvent that that's that's not on the directors of the animation studios like with my knowledge of where the story is there's absolutely no possible way you could take out the curse shield without really uh, some heavy okay. implications to the world itself all right hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. well i i still am curious in terms of like how i guess writers for these shows approach it because you know the, like do, do they operate like separately from the animators like which one takes priority like how, how does that work out so as in you're talking about the directors so the, the directors and the writers because it's like you're if you're adapting material like you need to cut it down to like have it actually work within an animated right. medium so right so i don't know where the connection between the director and the writers comes in but what i do know is that the director's they will basically sketch out a storyboard, like storyboard, storyboard, <laughs> frame by frame, like saying scene by scene, saying this is what happens here, this is what happens there, and then from that, that's that's what the entirety of the episode from then on is based off of. That's the framework that everyone is working with, uh, with uh, for that yeah. episode. And so, without that director storyboard, the animation process doesn't even get off the ground. Like that comes first. If they don't have a storyboard, the rest of the studio is just twiddling their thumbs, doing nothing. Oh. Yeah. Really? Um, huh. Well, maybe there are some exceptions, but like as far as the actual animation process goes, um, that like it just puts a hard stop to the entire process. So, um, so again, I don't know exactly where the writing slots into that process, though. So the writing is probably happening concurrently at some point, but. Yeah, well, because it's yeah. like to even like get to that storyboarding point, it's like you need to know like what the story is, right? So if you're adapting right. material, it's like okay, well, what are we going to adapt, and like what does that mean for like how the rest of the story is going to play out, um, and all of that. So mm-hmm. there's it's weird because like there's so many moving parts to something that should like have way more time than just a week by week basis. Mm-hmm. It, it just seems weird. It's like such a financially lucrative and popular industry. That too. I'd, I'd really love to see it change. I'd love it. So if more stuff was seasonal, so animators and studios had more time to work on it. And most importantly, if animators were actually paid a good wage, I think that'd be really cool moving forward if if, if that happened. Because it's always a shame to see people who work does, really hard Does Japan have unions? Just not getting respected. I don't know, <sighs> but they need one. I, <laughs> I they can't remember if they do. Uh, I I know there's an American voice actor union. I'm not sure about a Japanese voice actor union. I imagine they are because like voice actors are like a prestigious position. Yeah. In Japan. Well, yeah. There's like the whole um, idol, well, like yeah. celebrity part of it. Like well, way beyond, more than beyond voice even that. Here. Like yeah, yeah. Beyond even that, just plain voice actor like is a big deal. Right. Um, yeah. But mm. I'm not sure about the base animators if right just all the like the, the like the, the the grunts that are like actually like making things happen mm-hmm. so yeah it's right. um I've, mm. i i try to think of some like possible solutions to this before we start <laughs> recording and honestly it's just i don't have enough like you can say it's just like oh just make less anime that's the solution. But if you make less anime, then you're losing momentum. You're losing potential sales. Um, 
And a lot of these studios have grown to the point where they can support multiple uh, projects at once. And I just checked. Um, JC Staff is doing one other show this season. They're doing 100 Million Arthur. Uh, so they are doing One Punch Man Season 2 and 100 Million Arthur. Hmm. And you can't just... You have to really plan out and have some sort of backing to fall back on. And that was redundant again. If you're going mm-hmm. to take a break for a season and not produce something, because as a studio, you're paid to make anime. If you're not making anime, then you're not getting, you're not paid. getting paid. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's, mm-hmm. it's not as simple as just like, Oh, make less anime, make them higher quality because there's also no guarantee that those higher quality shows are going to sell. There are plenty of high quality shows out there that don't sell. <laughs> and really like what? Like, um, I'm blanking now, but I'm going back because it's the difference between Japanese and uh, American taste again. Shows that you would expect to have sold well in Japan based on American oh, okay. uh, taste didn't quite sell uh, to the expectations there. I believe One Punch Man season one was one of those shows, in fact. No way. But don't really yeah i don't know for absolutely sure but okay well yeah it's huh but it was huge outside of japan it was like one of the biggest shows like, right i know there was weird. a there was a show recently that was huge outside of japan and then within japan it was just like eh. that's something i'm it wondering it wasn't bunny girl senpai but there was another one that's something i'm curious about too with the anime industry is like how like how directly tied to foreign viewership how, how how directly tied are like their revenue streams to foreign viewership? Right. Mm. Yeah, because how much I feel do like they get from their partnerships with Crunchyroll. Yeah, so I feel like that. you know if they clearly saw like and if there were like merch that got released stateside, like people would absolutely buy like stuff like mm-hmm. Kono Super merch, for example. And yeah. It's like that that okay. So that's one of the things that's like continue to like blow my mind that like what season two came out twenty sixteen. And it's now been like three years before we got confirmation that there's actually a movie mm-hmm. coming out. Uh, conversely, with something like Yuru Camp, which was, um, from what I understand, a huge hit in Japan, like as it was releasing mm-hmm. and airing. Right. Um, so it got a bunch of merch sales and all that. And, you know, they got a movie and a season two confirmed within a year. Yeah. The difference between those two is that for light novel adaptations, it's a very common tactic that. The anime is just one big advertisement ploy to drive sales for the light novels. Hmm. And you'll see that because when was the last time you saw a light novel adaptation finish? Uh, Full Metal Panic? That's not done yet. Oh, God. Is it still, still going? Ongoing. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, it's still ongoing. Oh my Much God. to my chagrin. Oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. It's um, exceptionally rare. I can't think of one on the spot that has gone to completion. Haruhi hasn't done either. There's oh, plenty God, of light novels right. that weren't animated. Toradora. Toradora and finished. Was Toradora's a manga. God, friggin' friggin'. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. That's my point. Like, they use it to drive light novel sales. And All that's right. the case for Konosuba. Like, this movie is just kind of a last hurrah because it was so successful. But a season three is highly unlikely. Oh. Uh, meanwhile, Eurocamp is based off a of manga, I do believe. And so that's... And also because... It, and it's not the yeah, same, it's, like, it's, it's not like just advertising for the manga. In yeah, the way. I don't know why it's different like that, but for whatever reason, light novels specifically, they use it to drive light novel sales much more so. <sighs> why? And going back to your whole question about uh, how much do foreign revenue fact 
or foreign populator factor into it. The only thing I can contribute to that is that the main metric that anime studios use to determine the success of their shows is Blu-ray sales. And so like if it. you, yeah, if your show does is extremely popular airing, but it doesn't sell Blu-rays, then it's not considered a financial success. That's and horse of it, poop. Yeah. Chances of it getting support in the future go down, go way down. And so you look back to our, that's why going through the Blu-ray rankings of Japan earlier is so interesting because it shows like what would be seen, what, what people want success is. Um, yeah. in Japan because yeah. it's like and- yeah, honestly so if we're talking about like things that would I guess help like shake things up within the industry if they added different ways for like d- different revenue streams from different demographics like I, I am sure that that would like shift things because if you gave away for j- just the American audience alone if you gave the American audience a way to like financially show what shows they want to support I am sure that like that would absolutely like change how they approach things. But right now, really, it's it is kind of bottlenecked by Blu-rays, um, right? Because streaming services like it, everybody pay, pays a flat price um, to the distributor, uh, Crunchyroll right. or Funimation uh, or wh- whatever service you're using, and those have their own like licensing deals with the actual studios. Um, so. It, I guess it would just depend on like how much money they're willing to throw, but it's such a weird relationship. Right. And there was the instance of Trigger creating their own Patreon back when, and I'd forgotten about that until now. Oh, and so yeah. I'm looking at it right. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now and it's my, I'd say pretty successful. It's got 2,800 patrons and it's making $7,700 a month. Okay. So um, that's in like, in addition to whatever they're like receiving just right. for production. So exactly. And I remember being not so hot on this Patreon when it first released because of uh, their mission statement. I'm not going to. It looks like they've updated a lot of things. So that might contribute to its <laughs> relative success. I'm not going to go through it all right now, though. But yeah, like that is one instance of being able to specifically show sp- support the studio, the shows that you think deserve supporting specifically well triggers a really interesting case too because from everything that i've seen in terms of like how they operate within the industry it seems like they're a lot more freeform um in terms of like what kind of projects they pick up um because like i they're one of like i think one of the only japanese studios that like actively collaborates with western companies Mm -hmm. um because they they did a bunch of Cartoon Network show like guest spots on Cartoon Network shows. Uh, they're like they got contracted out to do like the opening for Indivisible. Um, they did th- work with uh, Steven Universe, I know. Yeah, yeah. So there's just like a bunch of stuff there that kind of just lets them do whatever they want. And like, say what you will about Gridman or whatever, but Trigger does have like a pretty loyal fan base. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. in in ways that is more personal than a lot of other studios. Um, and it, I, I think that's largely in part like a reflection of how they work. Right. So I don't know. I don't know how the way industry works. It's all weird. I just, it's, more, yeah. more it's anime. pretty crazy. <laughs> I, I, hope, I hope things improve. I hope things continue to get better. Anyways, uh, let's move forward. The next topic is what makes a masterpiece. And this, Matt, you suggested it. So 
yeah, what makes an anime <laughs> series 10 out of 10 amazing? What qualities are required? Right. Well, do and you want to go first? Sure. And I think it's funny because I suggested this topic, but when I sit down and think about it, what show what I actually call a masterpiece I don't think I would call any singular show a masterpiece and that comes down to like how you define what you define as a masterpiece what is a masterpiece and that's what my question is about is because is a masterpiece something that anyone and everyone should watch anyone and everyone will enjoy or is it that for the vision that this studio set out specifically they accomplished it in a way that is above and beyond any other undertaking by any other person prior or after it as well. That will so the ages. I, I think something that could help narrow that down is the, the absolute first quality of a masterpiece should be that it is a self-contained story Correct. and it does not require on like other seasons for it to be good or enjoyable um, mm. or where like, you know, it, it leaves you hanging. Right. Um, so it's like one punch man season one is great, but I don't know. I, I guess I'd hesitate to call it a masterpiece just because the way it but, ends does like lead into like, it, it, what I, it is what still in the middle say, of an arc. If, if they, if, if one punch man was continued, like it kept being adapted to the quality of season one and it finished one day, you could then possibly say one punch man, assuming it's sort of a quality of season one is a masterpiece yes because yes so assuming all of that is flawless yeah like, like, so i would say for example mob psycho 100 so far season one and two they are pretty close to being masterpieces because they're so good and so tightly woven so well executed um, and the, i mean the one flaw i'd say and i uh, spoke about this in my review of mob psycho season two is uh that the side characters are quite underdeveloped there's mm-hmm. a lot of side characters who aren't quite developed as of yet in the story. They might be developed later on. But uh, really, I'd say like every episode is enjoyable. Every episode is entertaining. There isn't a bad episode. And in my eyes, that's like a pretty big deal in terms of going towards being a masterpiece. Yeah. So I think that's another quality to like, it, and I guess this is, well, I mean, calling something a masterpiece is subjective so it's like when, when you're talking mm, about these like right. qualifications for something um yeah that was my intention my my, my, yep. my subjective qualification would also have to be it's like there there is never a moment where you're not engaged with what's happening mm-hmm. it's like it has your interest um it, it's stimulating you like visually and intellectually and just in whatever it's stimulating whatever capacity like near a hundred percent of the time um so like like I mentioned earlier, like Rockago is absolutely one of my favorite shows. Um, and it is just like two seasons long of like storytelling and following like one character's entire life. Um, and it, it tells that story masterfully. It has wonderful side characters. All of the themes tie into itself. Um, and it just has a satisfying arc and just story from start to conclusion. Um, so you know, that plays into the first part of like, you know, it, it is a self-contained story. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. on, on the other hand, um, I totally, I 100% agree with you with Rockigo. However, I'm not, I don't think it has to have a self-contained story because you, really? depending on the genre, depending on the genre, um, I do think, I do agree with your assessment that it has to be, uh, stimulating. You have to be enjoying it almost basically every single moment because, 
when I look at a slice of life show, I look at Eurocamp and hmm. I, I, again, I hesitate to call it a masterpiece, but it comes close to being a masterwork in just slice of life. Okay. Being very so chill and yeah. That was the other and, clarification. And genre, yeah. yeah. So that's the, the other clarification. Yeah, exactly. So that's the other clarification I think I wanted to like amend this is like it it's impossible to say something is objectively a masterpiece and you can't like say like you, you people have like their lists of great movies right but it's like i i think the quality that i usually like going for is is this a masterwork of what it's trying to do mm-hmm. and Eurocamp is trying to be a cute moe blob slice of life and it is hands down one of the best moe blob slice of life i've seen um mm-hmm. and it's great um rakugo is hands down one of the best dramatic stories i've ever seen character driven dramatic stories it's great it's so good mm-hmm. um so yeah if it, like it, it's it's a little more granular, but I think it's like right. broad enough to where you know you can still accurately judge something um, while still giving it pretty broad and sweeping, um, I guess, praise mm-hmm. over it. And what's what's confusing to myself introspectively is that I hesitate to call things masterpieces, but for <laughs> whatever reason, I don't have a problem as much of a problem referring to something as a masterwork or a masterclass in something. For example. Uh, the Promised Neverland. For the longest time last season, I had this whole article planned out in my head that the Promised Neverland is a masterclass in building tension. Ooh. I wanted to write that article so badly, but I just didn't have the freaking time. And now the season's over. <laughs> um, but like that show does such an amazing job of building tension upon mm-hmm. tension upon mm-hmm. tension and not tiring out the viewer, which is important. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's such a difficult thing to do. And I believe that within that ability to create that tension, mm-hmm. that palpable sense of dread that just builds upon itself is bar none. It's almost uh, has no peer in that regard. But I still can't call that show a masterpiece. But part of that is because the story is ongoing. Yeah. yeah. Again, so- I can't call anything a masterpiece. I can't bring myself to say this show is a masterpiece. Well, Absolutely. No I, I, for I, for I am, me, I'm, if there's only oh. one show I can say that for, hmm. and that is one show that I, to this day, struggle to fault, and that is My Hero Academia. Because to me, I struggle to find any legitimate fault in that story hmm. or in those characters. However, as you were saying, it's completely subjective. And other people could disagree, but I can choose any of a show that I love, that I absolutely adore, but I could say this story arc maybe isn't quite as strong or these couple of characters aren't quite as strong or this bit is a bit weak or this episode is a bit shit, whatever. But My Hero Academia, it, at least out of all the anime I've seen, is the closest thing in like 10 out of 10 consistency that I've ever seen. Yeah, so I think that's the, that's the hard part of like calling something a masterpiece um, is just because of how like sweeping the term is, right? Yeah. And um, it is like the most subjective you can get with qualifying something. So it's like you can say yeah. Hero Academia is a masterpiece, um, whereas I would probably say it is a it is a masterwork of shonen. Like it, it is a, a prime example of how to do shonen well. And I think that's yeah. how I would classify something as a masterpiece. If you want to like stick to that term is mm-hmm. um, how much of a, how, does it set a benchmark for how other shows of similar genres should be? Yeah. I, I think that's it. Cause I, would, I, would, like, I would say hero academia the, the does sub, set that benchmark. The sub, yeah. The subjective mm-hmm. aspect is how much do you like that genre? 
I'm a sucker for that genre. I'm a sucker for fun characters, entertaining storylines, and well-animated action. Like, they're all quite basic things, but I think in the same way, like, lots of people are suckers for the whole slice of life genre. I'm a bit of a sucker for a good shonen, and that's fine. Like, and to me, My Hero Academia is probably the strongest in that genre from a quality consistency standpoint. And like you were saying, because it sets a benchmark for other shows of that genre, I think that's where it could be considered a masterpiece. Yeah. But so, like it is completely subjective. I think as far as calling something a masterpiece, like the, the, the broadest I would ever want to go is like by genre. Yeah. Just because like, I, I can never say like, Oh, this is the epitome of anime. You, everybody <laughs> needs to watch this. Everybody does not need to watch Eurocamp, but for all fans of slice of life, it is a must watch. Yeah. So I right. think that, that, that is the nice, that, that is as subjective as I want to get. Right. Um, and Basically, yeah, I, you would never say like, this is a masterpiece, period. You would say, this is a masterpiece of X. Yeah. And it's like, uh, yeah, I like, honestly, like, like you guys, like I'm struggling to think of anything that I would see is like objectively a masterpiece that people should watch. It's like, all right, mm. well. Mm. But, but what I'd also say is like, if I asked you right now, find a fault in your root camp, find like an, an actual criticism. Would you be able to? Oh, God. How the turntables. <laughs> um, like oh, not just like a nitpick, like a real criticism. See, it's hard, right? Because like, I love yeah. the size of life genre. So it's like, I can't say, oh, there's not really a plot or anything because that's just not what the right. genre that's does. That's the point, yeah. Like, that, that's, that, that's part of it. And like, mm. I, I guess if you're comparing it to like something like Rakugo, which has a, you know, a, a story that moves forward and characters have arcs, it's like, sure, Yurukam doesn't have a great story, but that's not the point. Like, it's mm. not a worse show because it doesn't have a story. I, I think that's how I would like say it. It's like, it, there's not necessarily flaws, but it does lack things. It's just that that lack of things doesn't it's, make it a worse show. Yeah. So then if it had those things it's lacking, would you prefer it? Or would you feel like... You know what? That is a really interesting question because I yeah. think um, on that note, something like A Place Further Than the Universe is actually a Moe Blob slice of life with a really good story. Right. So I would, I would probably say that is more of a masterpiece than Eurocamp is. The thing is, though, for... Going back to Harry's point about finding an actual fault in the show, though, my mm-hmm. fault with a place further than the universe is that it has a slow start. It, it it's a slow burn, and the first couple, of, especially the very first episode, which is like, come on, really, really, like, uh, it it took a little while to get going, and once it did get going, it was fan fucking tastic. So that that would be my actual fault for place further than the universe, mm-hmm. but I struggle to find, but that. Again, that that's and like doesn't apply. Yeah, here there's, here, there's a whole debate of is it a nitpick or like a real right. yeah. default? Because because yeah. for me, I honestly, if, if I was trying to criticize my Hero Academia, I think um, Minetta is used for a few too many jokes. Oh yeah, and it can get irritating. Mm-hmm. But that's a nitpick. That's a nitpick. That, yeah, that is such a nitpick. Um, and then I could say maybe the first few episodes are a bit slow, but they're not really actually. They're, they're yeah, actually but, but not. Again, it gets going okay. pretty quick. There's, so, no, there's nothing really in there for me that I could say that is 
that is not good or not as good okay, as the rest. Okay, here, here like, c- c- consider this though. Um, I would not show my parents My Hero Academia if I wanted to have them watch a good anime. I would have them watch something like Grave of the Fireflies. Um, something more serious. Something more serious. And like that's, I, I guess if that's like, if, if that's another qualifier to have something be called masterpieces, like, like we were talking about it earlier, but like, is accessibility a thing mm-hmm. like does, that, so that, does more people point, enjoying though. something yeah. make it so, more of a masterpiece right yeah because that's difficult to as we know it's impossible to appeal to everyone but it is possible to appeal to a lot of people yeah and i and would argue that like grave of the fireflies appeal well is more would interest more people than hero academia would right and that is 100 percent a uh What's the word? Something to pra- praise it for, I guess. Something to, ca- to, uh, to counter that, because um, I, I agree with you, but I think also with, with something like Avengers and, and whatnot, that's absolutely fucking huge. There's clearly demographic. <sighs> that is also true. I would actually mm-hmm. say, if if, I, if somebody came to me saying, I've never seen any anime before, I want to watch something, I'm happy for it to be like, I want it to be fun and cool and entertaining, whatever. I don't mind what it is, but just show me something. I would put them onto My Hero Academia first. As a series, that's it's not too out there. It's not too Japanesey. It's nothing overwhelming. It's just pure entertainment and pure fun. And I, I think as a series as well, because Grave of a Fly, Fly Flies is a film, obviously. As a series, that's just pure fun, pure entertainment. It is very accessible. It's mm. very easy to get into, and it's both like Japanese without being too Japanesey. Um, so. I, do, I think that's an incredible starting place. And um, that is, again, one of the reasons I consider it a masterpiece. So, okay. So if we're talking about, like, how much it would appeal to people, like, there is definitely a certain, like, point where it's like, all right, more people liking something does not necessarily make it better, like Avengers. It's like, I, I enjoy it, but I would... Like Naruto. I, like Naruto, good Lord. I would never call Naruto a masterpiece. Um, <laughs> no, there's but, a lot of filler. N- yeah. <laughs> yeah there's that and it's like just because more people enjoy it i i think i think my qualification for more people is if more people from different backgrounds and with different interests if they enjoy this piece of media so i would i would argue that people that are like most of the people that are super into naruto probably have the same tastes in anime but i i would also say like okay if you showed somebody like if you showed somebody uh death parade um, I, I would say that that would appeal to way more people from different walks of life just because it appeals to like, it, it is a character driven story about people and that is more relatable to a lot of different, uh, individuals than I'm going to blast you with my spirit ninja energy. So mm. it's, it's a talent. <sighs> <laughs> Something I, was going to say I well. feel like I'm going around in circles at this point. <laughs> There's a thing online. It's uh, Bill Burr. Do you know the, the American comedian Bill Burr? I do not. Oh, I thought you were saying like Bilbo, like Bilbo Baggins, but Bill, no. Bill, <laughs> Bill Burr. Yes, Bill Burr. Do Do you know him? Yes, I know. I know Bill Burr. Yes. Yeah, so, so Matt, look him up. He's, he's good. But um, he, I mean, he's, he's like a middle aged guy, an American comedian. He doesn't watch anime. And he says in a podcast about he was Uh-oh. looking for stuff to find on Netflix and he came across One Punch Man. He'd never seen anime before and he watched a few episodes and he says he fucking loved it. And he put oh, a tweet out saying, that's he, cool. saying he really enjoyed it. And, and like, 
And he was talking about it on, on a podcast and he was saying that like, it was weird, you know, I tweeted it and some people were really happy. Some people were like really confused about it. And he was like, I don't, I don't fucking care. I enjoyed it. I thought it was weird. That's I thought it was amazing. Cool. I, I and he was, love, he was totally into it. He, I actually to- love that. Yeah. He was totally into the comedy, oh. totally into the weirdness of it. And I just thought you'd be surprised sometimes. Like I think if people go in with an open mind they could really get on board with shit like One mm. Punch Man, My Hero Academia. The only the people who wouldn't enjoy that kind of stuff are people who go in with that closed mind of oh, that, animated, oh, it's Japanese. Yeah. If you go in and you're willing to just kind of roll with the punches a little bit and give it a few but episodes I'm... to try and get used to it, yeah. But I'm <laughs> if you're willing to give it a few episodes to get used to the comedy, get used to the kind of vibe, then mm-hmm. I think you'd be surprised. There's a lot of stuff like One Punch That's Man. Right. I, so I think some, something like One Punch Man and Hero Academia is just on the surface. It is it is it's very anime, right? And it's like, oh, yeah. I see that. It's like, look at all these like weird ass Japanese designs. Look at all these like weirdly like sexualized sixteen year old characters. But once you get past that, a bunny girl suit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's that, and then it's like, all right. Once you get past that, it's like, oh, this is enjoyable so yeah i guess it it really just held up by like those preconceptions of like what something is versus like yeah what it actually is so here's a question to both of you if there was someone who'd never seen anime before ever in their life and they said i want to watch a really cool series i don't care what genre it is i don't care what style it is i just want to watch a series what would you recommend as a starting point for someone new to anime my answer for this changes every single time (laughs) (laughs) Um, honestly, probably something by Satoshi Kon. Um, oh, the movies count too? Okay. Oh, oh, for, uh, oh. No, serious. We're, to, we're talking a TV series. Pa- para- Paranoia Agent. I would show people Paranoia Agent. Paranoia Agent. Paranoia Agent or Fooly Cooly. Fooly Cool. Oh, wow. Those are some bold, bold recommendations there. <laughs> I, I say Fully Cooly just because it is... Okay. Because Fully Cooly almost like turned me out of my weebling phase way really? back when. Yeah, um, because I didn't know what anime was capable of. And then I saw that. I'm like, what the okay. hell is happening? Right. It severely turned me off. To maybe maybe it was just like the point in time I watched it. Because like I, I watched it like for the first time as like, you know, a, a 13-year-old kid who was like confused about life. And like that directly spoke to me. So it, hmm, God, all right. It just, so I'm, yeah, I'm, I also, I'm also thinking what, what you suggest you somewhat consider to be masterpieces based mm-hmm. on the effect they've had on you. Cause if you're going to recommend something as like your starting point to anime and you're giving it to someone else as a starting point to anime, it must be somewhat of a masterpiece in your eyes, at least. Probably right. Full and Metal so Alchemist. The, then. Yeah. Full Metal Alchemist is always the safe bet. If someone is really into like Marvel kind of movies, then I would go with Black Lagoon. Uh, it's like raw yeah. action, just over the top. It's fun characters. If it's someone that is likes kind of introspective character dramas, and uh, then I would probably recommend Angel Beats because it's not too much of an investment. It's nice, short, mm-hmm. to the point, and it hits, and it hits hard. Um yeah, so that, I, I think yeah. that kind of goes back to the to the whole like idea of like how we define a masterpiece, right? Is like it, it depends mm-hmm. on the genre and it depends on the person. Mm-hmm. So, it, right. it, if it was just bad. If, if it was someone, if it was someone online that I have no idea about whatsoever, 
and I don't see their face at all, then the I would I would have to go with Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood because that's it, it ticks the off as many set. genre yeah. boxes as possible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that is really good. To be fair, mm-hmm. well, yes. yeah, it's it's also good. It is the, specifically it is the, specifically Brotherhood, not the two thousand three version. Yeah, I, yeah, I've yeah, not yeah. seen the 2003 one, but I know that obviously that deviates from source out. material. Yeah, you, you I mean, it, it has its own charm, but it's, I yeah, think I've heard a better. lot of people do still really like it, but I know that it deviates from the manga because the manga wasn't finished at the time, was it? So oh, they, yeah. Yeah. they have to kind of do their own thing, whereas Brotherhood obviously follow the manga exactly and people love it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But anyways, I think that's been good. Should we, uh, should we leave it there today? I, I think so. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Good discussion, go though. Good, good, good yeah. natural discussion, which is nice. That was really good fun. So, yeah. Uh, what are you guys up to later? I have to use the bathroom really badly. I drink a lot of coffee. <laughs> so that's, that's next on my docket. Number ones I, or number twos? Hey. hey that you, was not an answer. Did, did you hear me? Did you, I said number ones or number twos. Yes. Yes. Both. Good. coming out and, everywhere. Anyways, that's... <laughs> Matt, what's we'll you later? I got to crank out a tester corner blog post for Manga Gamer for a game that I just finished up for, finished up Ooh. beta testing for. Oh, so, cool. Yep. Have fun. Yeah. Well, it's, it's quite late putting for me. It's, uh, it's 8.15pm, so not, not too late, but I'm going to uh, settle down for the night and finish watching Redline. That's my plan. Mm-hmm. So, Sounds yeah. good. Uh, so yeah, Kyle, what's your name on Twitter? I am at like the rogue on Twitter and I have not used Twitter in what feels like months. So I should probably be back on there, but that is me <laughs> okay. at like the rogue. And Matt, you are at musing Mojack, M-U-S-I-N-G-M-O-J-A-C-K. And I also wasn't using Twitter for a while, but I used it for packs. <laughs> and wow, I finally got a Twitter post that was popular because I wrote an impression piece on Nirvana. And Ooh. it got retweeted by Sukibon Games, and it's got over 100 likes. Which is oh, yeah, that's, that's always awesome. nice. That's yeah. really yeah. cool. Yay. And yeah, it, was, it felt really nice. Uh, and for my episodely anime recommendation, I will say uh, Kimetsu no Yaiba is off to a very strong start this season. It had a very good first episode. It looks like it might break the UFO table curse of having a good show that's not fate for once. And I'm looking forward to the next episode. Ooh. Oh, and also, I will say this, Harry. I think this is a show that you will enjoy because the main character is very similar to Deku in that he he's smarter than he is strong. The one difference is that he's a little less useless than Deku was at the start. Cool. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a point <laughs> in out. its favor? <laughs> <laughs> right, wicked. And uh, I am Harry underscore Morris underscore on Twitter. And uh, we've been the Anime Boys. Hooray! That's our uh, Yeah. That's our new name, the Anime Boys. <laughs> with the Z. Co-starring with the Beastie Boys next episode. There you go. So tune in next time to see that. <laughs> okay, thank you for tuning in. All the best.